0: Public health officials are urging you to get vaccinated.
1: Because the longer we stretch this thing out, the more variants we're gonna have. The 1918 pandemic, two years, it lasted into 1920. I don't want that to happen this time.
0: While not everyone is sure of this COVID-19 vaccine technology, it just might save your life. And we're not just talking about COVID.
1: What AIDS did to expand our knowledge of medicine was unbelievable. What COVID will teach us will eclipse that. The potential use of uh, mRNA technology that was used in the first two vaccines is going to open up tons of therapy for cancer.
0: And if you've already gotten vaccinated, be prepared to do so again.
1: Realize that probably this fall when we get our flu shot, we'll probably get a little addendum to the COVID vaccine in with it, the flu vaccine is is against an array of uh, influenza of variants. I would say probably greater than 50% the chance that we will have a booster.
0: I'm Rich Clindworth and we're going to do a little bit of myth busting when it comes to the COVID-19 vaccines in season two, episode 14 of Talk Like a Pirate. We're joined now with Dr. Paul Bolin, who is the Chair of Internal Medicine at ECU's Brody School of Medicine. Dr. Bolin, thanks for joining us today. Since COVID-19 information changes as time goes on, we are recording this episode of Talk Like a Pirate in ECU's Health Sciences Student Center on March 29th, 2021. We are also socially distant and wearing masks, so we might sound a bit muffled at times. Now that that is out of the way, Dr. Bolin, how is the fight against COVID-19 going right now?
1: Well, I think we're in a lot better place than we were, say, a month and a half ago. Uh, There are troubling signs in Eastern Europe and in several of our states here in the United States, and actually several counties in our state where cases are beginning to rise again. Uh, That has been associated with relaxation of public health policies. Uh, it has also been associated with, certainly in our country, with more rapid uh, uh, um, deployment of the vaccine. Uh, and so right now we're in a race. We're in a race between getting enough people vaccinated before more variants develop that potentially could not respond to the vaccine. So. I think certainly here in America, what happens over the next three weeks is gonna be very telling about what our prognosis for how normal our summer will be. Compared to this time last year, so
0: it seemed like whenever we were watching the news, hospitals were flooded, we were having major problems and it almost seemed like a death sentence if you got it. Has the virus eased up at all? Or are we able to treat it better? Or is it the same, just our perception's a little
1: bit different? Two of the three. So I don't think there's any evidence that the virus has eased up, if you will. The number of cases has decreased. It is increasing again, but since, again, back when you're talking about, uh, they're down. We do know that a lot of the variants are more infective and possibly uh, have the potential to be more fatal. Uh, That second one is a little harder to prove, so um, I don't think the virus is getting any weaker. So that's number one. Number two, I do think we're a lot smarter than we were. It's astonishing uh, the rate at which information has come out about this virus. Number three, I can tell you by personal experience, I think there's some data to support this, that there have been phases where we took public health measures more seriously. Uh, than we did at other times. I've been in stores early on in the pandemic when I was the only person in the store with a mask on. Now it seems to be a rarity, even though cases are down. So I think that plays into it as well. Well, with the answers available at our fingertips,
0: not all of that information that we can get is credible, which is why we are doing this myth-busting type podcast.
1: I've certainly watched Mythbusters and it's a great show. I and mean, one of my favorites was, should you take your tailgate down and can you get better gas mileage? The same truck, same tank of gasoline, you can do that experiment one or two times and you know the answer. Human experimentation is not like that. Genetically, you and I are not identical. Our behaviors are not identical. And so it's much more difficult to get to a myth buster. Why are these drugs not FDA approved? They're Emergency Youth Authorization. This is not the typical path of five to six randomized multinational controlled trials that we require before we say something works. And so because of the incredible death rates worldwide, there's been a significant relaxation appropriately. Uh, We did the same thing early on in AIDS. Uh, In fact, Tony Fauci uh, did the same thing then. I think we all have things that uh, we want to work. I'll be honest with you, I believe in in having adequate vitamin D stores on board. The science for that, is, is not perfect. And so that's an, an area where I think there's still equipoise, where we're not really sure whether it's gonna work or not. There are some things where people have taken um, drugs that were veterinarian use and have applied them for human cases. A study just came out against one of those agents. Using metals, various metals, both inhaled and swallowed. There's just not uh, any significant science to support some of these. Considering the more plausible, therapies that we have. I really don't think they need to be studied first, for sure, uh, when we have much more plausible things that we can study first. It's a very different virus. Once it's in the lungs, it, it behaves unlike anything I've certainly ever taken care of in my career. And so uh, having novel ideas is, is, is not a bad thing, so long as you're intellectually honest with yourself and, and how you set up your trials and determine whether it really works or not.
0: So I guess because of this, you're not surprised that some people are really skeptical right now on all sorts of treatments.
1: Yeah, yeah. You know, artificial intelligence that exists in the background in social media literally feeds these behaviors. If you're somewhat skeptical and, and you go to a social media site for skeptical people, then the AI picks up that you're more Skeptical so it feeds you more skeptical, and it feeds itself feeds itself and of course that's why politically in our country We're doing this and so and I'm not surprised at all. There's actually Active machinery unfortunately in our country that drives that process
0: So one, one of the things I've heard about is, is hydrochloroquil. Is that one of those that are being used or not?
1: Yeah, uh, hydroxychloroquine, early on, uh, it is a uh, rheumatologic drug. It's used from other uh, infectious diseases, but there is now no data that it helps. Now, the science behind it is very elegant, that it potentially has a pathway that could be very good. Probably the biggest problem with it, it is it causes problems with the conduction of electricity in the heart. We know that COVID patients already have trouble with that. And so there was this concern that patients on that drug were actually dying from heart problems. We went through that phase for ever, how many months. Uh, we actually used some of it here. We were involved in looking at that in, in some of our trials, but we don't use it at all now.
0: Do you have a myth that you would say is the most common that people are coming to, to you about? And you're like, eh, that's not quite true.
1: I think the most troubling one that I see is when someone gets a cold and in some places you can't get rapid testing it takes a day or two sometimes three and you go to your doctor and in america you know we have to give somebody an antibiotic and they do a COVID test and they're waiting for the result and they tell you to take an antibiotic while you're waiting one of those antibiotics is commonly given unfortunately also causes conduction problems within the heart and as i just said a lot of times it's given concurrently with and, and then you've got this really bad mess, and then some people give people steroids. And we know that steroids work late, but actually when given early, they cause a detriment to the outcome. That's probably the most troubling thing I see, the continued use of unnecessary antibiotics and not waiting for the results of a test. I will say, That one thing that we were not well prepared for is we basically told everybody to go home and don't go out. And that caused people to sit at home for multiple days sick before they would get tested. We know now, whatever therapy you're talking about, with the exception of steroids, that's the only one that's different. Earlier is better. Steroids is later is better. But a lot of patients, time they come in, they're past the real point of efficacy for that drug. Do you know what the percentage
0: or their survival percentage is of COVID-19?
1: Oh gosh, uh, no. I don't think anybody knows. And the reason is, is we don't know how many people had COVID. The CDC now estimates in the United States, I think the latest number they gave is a little over three times the amount of people who we know have been diagnosed. So you're getting a term called the case fatality rate. Because we don't know really the case rate, it's hard to assign fatalities as the numerator when we don't know the denominator, which is the case rate. Now that said, we do know like hospital rates, like of all the people that come into the hospital with this, this is a mortality rate. And we've seen that all over the place. Early on, uh, some of the mortality rates that were advertised out of uh, England were astonishing. I mean, 20%. In Italy, there were so many deaths they really are not sure they counted them all right. We had nothing close to that here, but a lot of that has to do again with things that they learned in England. Uh, We were able to put into place here before COVID really got here. And again, there are places like we see now in Brazil and certainly we saw early on in Italy where the system is so unbelievably overwhelmed. uh, You really have to question the accuracy of, of, of the data. The, the numbers that, and I'm going to mispronounce this, I'm sure, Meneas, I think, is the town in northwest Brazil, up in the Amazon, 2 million people in the town. And if you look at the data they have, the numbers don't work out. I don't think that's anybody trying to trick somebody. I, I think it's just the system was completely overwhelmed.
0: You bring up a point there that I've heard a lot of people say, well, I know this person that knew this person that works in healthcare, And they said, if we put that this person died of COVID, even though they didn't, we'll get more money for that.
1: Yeah. There's all different kind of funding models, but I'm involved in a study right now where I'm going back and reviewing every one of those charts. Those charts are, are incredibly well reviewed. I don't think any of that stuff went on here. I, I do think it occurred, Again, in areas that were so overwhelmed, they didn't have time to go back and really take the time they needed to, to review the charts. You got to realize we had rapid, both rapid and reliable testing here much quicker than the vast majority of the country. Uh, our pathology department here did a marvelous job, Jay Fallon and his group. And so what we think is the norm is, is not the norm. Uh, there are places that waited days on end to get a test back and so it was really hard to match up all that data.
0: One of the things that I've heard that let's say the survival rate is 99 percent. I don't know if that would be high low, but that's what I've heard people say. So what they're saying is, well, why should I get the vaccine if the uh, overwhelming odds are that I'm
1: going to survive this? And thoughts like that, you can't argue with the math on on some of these things. There's the public health answer, and there's the equity answer. And both of them are right. And you sort of have to blend your response. In some countries, uh, in Russia, for example, um, they actually vaccinated people a lot younger than we did initially. Why? Because they're more mobile. They're more likely to infect someone else. So you can make an argument that even though there were other people at greater risk from a public health standpoint, That makes sense. People argue which is right, you know, because of course they're not arguing for healthcare, they're arguing for the economy sometimes, but you have to have both. When we get in our van and go to a group home and vaccinate eight people in one visit, that's really not an ideal public health policy, if you will, but for equity, those people can't get out and go get their vaccine. And all you got to do in a group home like that is have one person come in and infect and they're all infected, and so you just have to balance it. I've really come to see a lot of things where there's there's not a right and wrong answer. You really have to balance things, and that's something we've not done very well in our country for a while. Since researchers have
0: rushed this development, can its effectiveness and safety be trusted?
1: Yes, because. In America, at least in American medicine, we're going to continue. So like I was telling you now, we're collecting that data. We're going to continuously plow this dirt. We will always have a little bit better answer. Does that mean we shouldn't trust the first answer? Well, okay. My answer to people like that is, okay, well then go walk out in a crowd of people with COVID and good luck. You know, you you really want to have the safest answer that we have now. Tomorrow the answer will be better. I have my father's books from medical school. Every now and then, when I was in medical school, I'd go back and read them. I would just die laughing at some of the things that he was taught. And it'll be that way going forward. I feel very good about the vaccines. The uh, resistance rate is a great paper in Nature now a couple weeks ago. There's two major arms, if you will, to the immune system, the B cells and the T cells. And, And we have ability via antibodies to measure a lot of the activity of the B arm. The T-arm is not as uh, uh, readily available or easy to get to. And that's probably the longer lasting part, by the way. And and we have pretty good data, pretty good, we have good data that the T cell responses, even to all these variants, is, is very good in their T cell responses. So I think they do work. I do think they are safe. It is a technology that is new. I'm old enough to have grown up with AIDS. We didn't even have a class in immunology when I went through medical school. And what AIDS did to expand our knowledge of medicine was unbelievable. What COVID will teach us will eclipse that. The potential use of uh, mRNA technology that was used in the first two vaccines is gonna open up tons of therapy for cancer. So it is a a great opportunity. I do understand the the fear that's there. I do appreciate that fear. There are non-mRNA vaccines that people can try. that are more old school, if you will. There's some questionable differences in the numbers that I'm not as concerned about as others are because all the numbers we're getting are better than the flu shots we take every year. I, uh, I do hope there will be broader uh, adaptation because the longer we stretch this thing out, the more variants we're gonna have. The 1918 you know pandemic, two years, it lasted into 1920. I don't want that to happen this time.
0: And you sort of alluded to this, but are we seeing any differences between any of the three or four vaccines? And I'm throwing AstraZeneca into the mix since it's, I guess, getting closer.
1: No, not really. Um, Johnson & Johnson is great. It's one shot. I think most families had pretty much all of them. <laughs> uh, the right vaccine is the first one you can get in your arm. Uh, I had the visor. I didn't feel bad, so I got worried that I got a placebo. <laughs> the younger you are, in some uh, series, of females respond stronger than males. They have a stronger immune system than we do. Some people do uh, struggle with symptoms uh, after. But as far as efficacy, we don't have a lot of post data. We have these, uh, like the Nature paper I mentioned, which is an in vitro study. But all the trials that were done that got them approved were done at different times. And so people like to throw stones at the J&J vaccine, but we already had variants out when that was tested. And so again, the denominator is way different. I think they're all safe. I think they're all great. And I think the first pass we need to get through is, is getting them in. Realize that probably this fall, when we get our flu shot, we'll probably get a little addendum to the COVID vaccine in with it. You know, the, the flu vaccine is, is against an array of influenza of variants. I've got a feeling that'll probably be included as we get into the fall
0: eventually we will have to get boosters that's not just the one and done or two and done for the vaccines
1: yes i think that will probably be the case i would say probably a greater than 50 percent the chance that we will have a booster so if we get
0: something like that like i got the j and j vaccine you got pfizer so would we then get the same one like i would get the j and j booster no or- i don't think
1: so immune system uh Uh, knows how to delve these things out. It's just building that response to a portfolio of antigens. No, that wouldn't be an issue. That said, for tracking purposes and also study purposes, uh, we are trying to keep people in the same line uh, when they get their vaccine. Because we we put all this data into a computer. We are collecting this data. It's just not being collated yet. For the people who have already
0: had COVID, and I have some family members like this, they're wondering, do I still need the vaccine? And if so, if I'm getting the two-shot one, do I only need the
1: one shot? We don't know. There's been a lot of talk on both sides of that coin. One of the troubles that's really affected the entire arc of COVID is as we learn more, we say, oh, let's change what we're doing but it creates confusion. There's really not an ideal answer to that. I do know if you had COVID and you get the vaccine, boy, you've got really good coverage against that virus. For those folks, they need to get it. It's arguable where it needs to be one or two. We're not there yet. Can you get COVID
0: from the vaccines?
1: No, no. You can feel like you have COVID.
0: So if you have those symptoms after you've gotten the vaccine, Are you then contagious like say you have a fever or you have the body aches are you able to be around people or should you avoid people
1: though you're good for probably you know a few days you can get covid after the vaccine you can get it immediately i think it's pretty safe to say that in the immediate day or so afterwards is probably the vaccine and some people are going to feel bad enough they need somebody helping them there's a lot of controversy about medications you should take before or after There's absolutely no data that taking non-steroidal, aspirin, whatever, after the dose is a problem. There is very questionable data that taking it before the first dose, not the second dose, but the first dose, may decrease the response to the vaccine. But almost nobody has significant side effects to their first shot. It's the second shot, if they get the two shot, that's the one that causes the most symptoms.
0: Can I still transmit COVID to others if I've been
1: vaccinated? If you get COVID, so you would have to get it first, and yes. And in some ways you could argue that is a, more of a concern because most people that have had COVID after their vaccine, the symptoms are minimal. And so you might be out and about more, if you will, and able to transmit. Interesting.
0: So I've heard a lot of people say that the uh, vaccines will change your DNA. <laughs> Does it change your DNA?
1: No, it's, it's, it's an RNA vaccine. It changes your ability to make proteins that are important.
0: Building off changing your DNA. One of the things that then the other comment is right after that is, does this make you more susceptible once it changes the proteins to die from the flu or the common cold?
1: No, but a fascinating question for a different reason. If you look at the data that occurred in the Southern Hemisphere before COVID got here, they had their flu season before and, you know, in the early part when we were not having flu season and they had no flu, none, zero. Why? Just by wearing the mask and washing right, hands. Right, right, doing all the things we're supposed to do anyway, right? You know, influenza is nothing compared to this, right? So we just like wiped it out. So there is this fear, and I think it's very rational, that there are viruses that were circulating that we didn't get that are still out there, and so we've not developed an immunity against them. It has happened before in other coronavirus outbreaks. So there are those that believe that this fall we will have a very bad uh, flu season. And that's why I think we're gonna probably be doing some form of this into uh, early 22. The mask wearing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Once vaccinated, can we stop wearing our masks and being socially distant? I mean, you and I right now, we're wearing masks and socially distant, and we've both had our vaccine.
1: Yeah, uh, we're getting there. Uh, You can still get it. If you want to tout the Pfizer, what it was, 94.6 percent. Well, what if you want that 3 percent? You know, that's, mm. most of the cases are not as severe with those that are vaccinated. That's good. In all the studies, there were no fatalities, which was great. So, yeah, we're getting there. But again, it, it comes down to this thing we talked about earlier. It's not about me. Every time I'm out in public and take mine off, I feel guilty that I'm potentially setting a bad example. I don't know when the masks are going to go away. I'm, we all miss that part of our lives, but hopefully soon. I I tell you, there's a great term we use in medicine called inoculum, and that is the amount of bad stuff that you suck down your windpipe when you get it. The inoculum is probably the most important thing in COVID, and that's why these things are, are just the rock stars of our defense, is it blunts the biggest chunk of the inoculum, so.
0: And then there are all these questions about what types of masks.
1: Yeah, I I got all kinds. We've figured out now what kind are good and uh, you don't wear glasses, but what kind work with your glasses and what kind don't. And, and I've deteriorated to the point that I keep them on the dash of my car. I try to rotate them. There's some doubt out there. Wearing a mask is more important than what kind.
0: Do the vaccines need to be stored at extremely low temperatures
1: because of preservatives in the vaccines? <laughs> uh, you, you want to buy a minus 80 freezer? <laughs> So when we got started, there was a market run on minus 80 freezers to the point where we couldn't buy them anymore. And we have a portable one that goes in our van and we don't even need it anymore. You know, they backed off of that and even more, it's not funny, but they shipped the whole shipment to California and it was too cold. How they figured out it was too cold and how they figured out it harmed the vaccine is beyond my capabilities. But. Um, that's been relaxed a great deal obviously Moderna is a lot easier J&J is even more easier than that so over the time our concerns about these extraordinary temperatures is going down I don't think we've used the minus 80 freezer in about a month
0: now if I got my first dose of the Pfizer vaccine will that keep me safe from severe COVID complications and do I even need to get the second one if I all I care about are the severe complications <laughs> uh.
1: Yeah, great question
0: there's caveats to everything
1: yeah yeah so you get a fair amount of protection you're about 50 plus percent right before you get your second dose and so yeah you pick up some protection the trouble is is that study haven't been done so we don't know if it's just your chances of getting it and your chances of dying are cut in half not eliminated that study hasn't been done but you do have some protection running up to the time of your second dose with both Moderna and Pfizer. That is very true. Just as with the J&J, as you get into their mid-cycle, there's some protection. For both of these, if you really want to close the loop in your immune system, uh, you, you need about a month.
0: So if I get vaccinated today, can I go to a party tomorrow and be safe? No. If my spouse and I are vaccinated, but our kids are not, is it still safe for us to travel, visit family, eat in restaurants, or have house guests?
1: We've got two health care providers at our house, and we went through that. Fortunately, our kids were all away. But at times, came home, like the holidays. And the university that one of them at, and their job for the other, they they were great. They One of them actually went and got tested before they came home. And I'm sure you heard a lot about that for various people. Are we safe? Probably if you huddle out like we do, but if part of you are not vaccinated and they're very socially mobile and not very safe in that mobility, uh, then there's a pretty significant risk there. It's are you matching safety? You know, the one weak link is where it is the problem, right? There's not complete safety without them being vaccinated. There's not complete safety, again, if everybody is vaccinated. We're relaxing things. We're talking about having meetings and you know, how many people can be there. And I take my mask off when I come into the house. And my wife and I are both in healthcare. There's a risk for everything. It's just how much risk. We don't need to be Howard Hughes. I think you understand that now. Yeah, that uh, okay. he just out house. He was a germaphobic extraordinaire. Yeah. yeah. And, and, um, but you need to have some common sense.
0: Clinical trials on vaccines for children are currently underway. If it's true that children are hardly affected by COVID, why do they even need to be vaccinated?
1: Yeah, yeah. You may recall midway, there's this syndrome, not unlike uh, Kawasaki disease, that develops in children with, with COVID, a uh, severe uh, vasculitic response. So to say it is not a problem in children is, is incorrect. Now, in general, I understand where they're headed with that. Should they be vaccinated? Yes, that's just the best answer. Now. We've not done the studies, I mean, we may find something, but I think again, the generalization is they should be vaccinated. And that brings us to
0: parents who are concerned about the potential long-term side effects of this new vaccine for their kids. Why should they trust the vaccines in that respect?
1: The Helsinki Accord was a great step forward in, in human research where I think prior to that time, we had not realized several steps that we needed to take to ensure the safety. Of patients involved in, in human research. I think after that time, in general, it's been extraordinary. There have been exceptions, i sure, there always is. But yeah, I think it's safe, and I think considering the alternatives. The, the trouble with this is, is it's like seatbelts, okay? The chances that you need your seatbelt are incredibly low. Putting it on a seatbelt is obviously more innocuous than getting a shot, but these are low event rates. You mentioned some earlier yourself. you 99% chance I'm not gonna get it or die or whatever, you know. The, the math and these low rate events are troubling because it makes us look at numbers in different ways and it feeds into our emotions. And you ask questions like that, what are appropriate? But I, I still uh, would argue that the devil you know is probably better than the one you don't. We know what this disease can do to you.
0: When it comes to pregnant women, could the vaccine negatively impact the baby?
1: The answer to that's no. Uh, the FACOG group has come out with a position statement on that. The word no is always you know, what we know now. I really do appreciate the fear that uh, individuals that are anticipating having kids, what they go through. We now have some data that you know, having COVID during pregnancy is not as innocuous as one thought earlier on. And I certainly appreciate the incredible burden that places on people. And one reason why we see a lot of concerns about vaccine uptake. There's a major difference between males and females in that age group uh, with that. Uh, I hope we can get to science uh, soon that can help us. Maybe that's the population that we don't vaccinate and we still get to herd immunity. That would be a great outcome. And then we get the science and we can relieve that for those folks. Many of them are taking flu shots. And really, we're gonna probably find out down the road there's not a lot of difference. But I I really um, would encourage them to get a a vaccine. Anything else and your final thoughts? They call PTSD post-traumatic stress disorder for a reason. You don't have, I think epinephrine is a great uh, cure-all for uh, stress. But when the stress starts to wear off and, and the epinephrine's gone, the scars of what we've been through start to show we're seeing this um at work and so we're going to enter into a a phase of difficulty psychologically and we're going to have to learn to be even more patient with each other than we were during the disease because normalcy will start to leak back into our lives and we we give people an out if they did something during COVID, but hey, it's over now. You shouldn't do that. And so we're gonna need to get a kindness vaccine because it's gonna be a difficult time as we transition into psychologically for a lot of people.
0: Well, Dr. Paul Boland, Chair of Internal Medicine here at ECU's Brody School of Medicine. Thank you so very much for taking your time today. You've been very, very kind with uh, answering all these questions and with all your time. Thank Thank you. you. Well, that's it for season two, episode 14 of Talk Like a Pirate. We hope Dr. Boland's expertise with fighting COVID-19 on the front lines has helped you with your knowledge of the vaccines and answered any questions or helped you with any apprehension you might have had. As we've said before, always verify COVID-19 information with trusted sources like the CDC and or your provider. As always, thank you so much for listening. Until the next time, please stay safe and healthy. And don't forget, always be yourself unless you can be a pirate. Then always be a pirate.